at Ubaldi Reports. We're just getting ready to go live on all our different streaming platforms. And tonight we're going to talk what's big in the news, and that's inflation. Inflation skyrocketed yesterday and today with the numbers coming out by the Labor Department show that the consumer price index went up 8.5% in um, March. And then the producer price index jumped to 11.2% for March as well. And this is at a 40-year high, and it's been at the highest level. It's basically for the producer price ever recorded. So it's it's hurting a lot of Americans, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight. So if you have any questions, um, chime in, or at least type your questions in, and we'll try to get them answered, and we'll go from there. So we're just moments away from really going live. So Tell them if they got any questions, put it in the chat. Yeah, if you have any questions, put it into the chat, and we'll answer those questions. So let me see where my co-host Joe is, because he's got the computer guru, and see if he's ready. You all set, Joe? Yeah, I just got to check one more thing. Yeah, we was just checking one <clears throat> thing just to make sure everything is up cosmetic and away we go. So, I mean, and also let me know what you're feeling. If you're feeling the effects of inflation through higher grocery prices, rent, gas prices, if you commute to work, is this or has you altered your spending because of inflation? All right, we got six people on. Okay, so let's get hit. All right, ready and three. Hey, everybody, this is John at Ubaldi Reports, providing fact, not fiction, as it relates to national and global issues. And with me is my good friend and fellow co-host, Joe Bitts. Joe is a retired combat Marine who was wounded in Iraq, and he provides good insight on the things that he sees, and I provide good insights on the things I see. But again, we provide fact, not fiction. We don't tell you how to think. We just provide the facts. What's going on, John? How's your uh, week going so far? Well, so far it's been good. I've been working. I mean, I'll have the next two days off, which is the first two days off I'm going to have since I've been at the store, Mm -hmm. the restaurant. So I'm tired. I'm going to sleep in tomorrow, hit the gym, and go from there. Easter's coming up. What are you going to do for Easter? Um, Nothing much. I mean, I'll I'll have to see. Maybe do something with a friend. Wait, Um, hold on. Do Mormons? Okay, this is a stupid question. Mormons celebrate Easter? Correct, we do. Okay. Where does it differ? Because, like, you know, I would say you're more all-American than most people because Mormon is an American religion. Well, just so you know, the the, the, name, the full name of the church is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Okay. So we celebrate the birth of the, of the Savior Jesus Christ. We celebrate his resurrection. Everything about our church mm-hmm. or about the, the LDS church is... Is centers around Jesus Christ. We yeah. believe He's our Lord and Savior. Every every issue that we're going through, every problem, we can go through Him mm-hmm. to get resolution, to get help, and He's a conduit to our Father in heaven. Okay. So we believe in Jesus Christ. He's the f- total foundation of our faith. All right. That's how it's it kind of similar to what we, you uh, I guess, non-denominational. It was well, but. I look at it this way. Everybody celebrates their faith differently. Mm-hmm. There's people oh. who are non I know people at work who are non-denominational. Mm-hmm. I went to a friend of mine's church a couple of Easter's ago, and she had a more, it was different. It was a lot of, there was a, like, kind of like a rock band. There was a lot of singing. But she liked it, and it worked for her. And I'm glad she had a, her belief in her faith. Mm-hmm. That's what she liked. 
And I'm like, and she said, well, this is not something you're used to. And he goes, it doesn't matter what I'm used to. Yeah. If you like it and it provides a good message for you, mm-hmm. then I'm accepting of your, your faith. Yeah. And I think that's kind of how it is, is normally, well, okay. There are people that usually take their faith or their religion and they like to cram it into other people's faces without them acknowledging it. And I see that kind of like, that's kind of gone. Religion has gone a little bit more. What people are doing has gone more than just a religion. Now it's like, this is the way it is. This is how I believe it. So you need to believe the same thing, whether it's politics, whether it's religion, whether it's LGBT. Well, here's an example. We're both were in the Marines. I don't drink. And obviously in the Marines, drinking seems to be a big part of the Marine Corps culture. Yeah. I was always the designated driver. I hated going to bars. Mm-hmm. Hated it. But I wanted to make sure my fellow Marines yeah. and even my junior Marines, they had a good time and they got home safe. And I even told them, my choice isn't to drink. I don't, I don't drink. Yeah. That's my choice. If you drink... That's your choice. Yeah. And the way I believe, I can only take care of myself. I'm not here to judge you. I don't know what's in your heart and mind. Only two people know that. Mm-hmm. God and his son, Jesus Christ. And they're the only two that judge you. Mm-hmm. The, uh, our Father in heaven or God judges you with their advocate being Jesus Christ. He then- knows. He knows what's in your heart and mind. Not anybody on this planet. Does it seem like other people's opinion or like it's actually no longer opinion for like I'm accepting of whatever political uh, view you are. I mean, I have a few people that are not uh, on the conservative. They're more of a like I would say not liberal, but more of like the moderate. Well, more moderate leaning left. Okay, but. And they don't maybe necessarily agree with what I, you know, what I think when it comes to politics. But also, I'm not the one trying to invade in their political agenda. Well, as I've well. got friends who are progressives, and we have our conversation, but we understand each other. We all base our political beliefs either from family, experience. Maybe you've seen something, mm-hmm. but we all d- come to a different resolution. I was on my radio show to this morning, and we talked about Tip O'Neill, the former Democratic liberal from Massachusetts, who was Speaker of the House in the late 70s, early 80s, mm-hmm. and Ronald Reagan, who was a diehard conservative. They both fought like banshees from 9 to 5. Soon as 5 o'clock hit, bam. Hey, Tip. Hey, Ron. Let's go over for some drinks. Wasn't it kind of like that coyote, or it was like a Wiley Coyote, coyote. skit with, uh, with the, the, sheepdog. The, the sheepdog. Yeah. And like, you know. It Ralph was, and Sam. Yeah. And it was like that the entire time, but as soon as they punched out, they were just like, cool, let's do, uh, let's just hang out or something like exactly. that. Exactly. And when they passed tax reform in 1986, ne- Tip O'Neill said we raised taxes. Ronald Reagan said we cut taxes. But neither of them would rain on the other one's parade because they knew they had to give something to their base. Yeah. We don't see that today. So I asked you a couple – I asked you a question. I think it was sometime late last week. But you did have a great response to it. And I said, when are the Democrats going to realize they effed up? I think it's going to be November the 8th. 
the reason I said that is because Bill Clinton was a masterful politi- uh, politician with great political instincts. Mm-hmm. Once he lost the um, 94 election in the midterms, instead of doubling down on being more progressive, he triangulated to the center mm-hmm. and he co-opted a lot of Republican issues yeah. like welfare reform, crime bill and everything like that. And he won re-election, and he moved on from there. Mm-hmm. President Obama, when he lost the midterms in 2010, instead of recalibrating, maybe we were too liberal, let's go more to the moderate. He doubled down, and that's when he lost. Even though he won re-election for himself, yeah. it didn't translate to other Democrats across the country or in the Senate, or in the White the Congress, and then he lost the, the Senate in 2014. Where are we going with 2024? Like, or, you know, when th- th- that's the next spotlight. It's probably not going to be Biden in jumping into that next seat. He probably will. But what's going to happen? Is Trump coming into the arena? Should Trump even come into the arena? Are we going to get somebody else like DeSantis or somebody else? That might be a better fit for that that's kind of like a little bit political but also a little bit of about america that's the unknown we don't know where this is all going to shake out because glenn youngkin won he got the support of the trump supporters but he didn't openly embrace donald trump either he just stuck to the issues Mm -hmm. so at this point we don't know so we don't know on the republican side If Donald Trump runs, if he doesn't run, the next number two that's very popular among the Republican base is Ron DeSantis, how he's governed Florida, how he handled the pandemic. Now, for the Democrats, that's going to be the problematic one. The Republicans have more of a deeper bench. Whether you agree with them or not, there's Mike Pompeo. Mm -hmm. Outside of Ron DeSantis, there's Mike Pompeo, there's Marco Rubio, there's Mike Pence, the former vice president. There's a couple of the governors. There's a couple of U.S. senators. They have a, a deeper bench. The yeah. problem with the Democrats is they're they're either old and white mm-hmm. or young and progressive. Yeah. So there's no in-between moderates. Because remember we asked that question when we very first started this podcast, who could go toe-to-toe with Trump? Yeah. And I said James Webb. Mm-hmm. And everybody's like, who's that? Well, he was a former Democratic senator from... Virginia, he was a Reagan's uh, Secretary of the Navy. He was a Navy Cross winner in the Marines during Vietnam. Mm-hmm. He's a family man. His son served in Iraq as, a, as an enlisted Marine. I'd vote Democrat on that one. He was very moderate on social issues, very moderate, fiscally conservative, very pragmatist when it came to foreign policy. But he couldn't get through the Democratic primary oh. because they went too far to the left. Mm-hmm. So right now... And this will be even even worse come 2022 if the Democrats lose in a big wave. They would have wiped out all the moderates. So then you're left with old white, young and progressive, and the progressive ideology is failing at every level. So they have a very weak bench. Their weakest bench, I would say, in generations. What about Kamala? She's <laughs> okay. And tongue-in-cheek on that, she should be the heir apparent, but because of her, her duties as vice president and the way she, her actions are, she is, she's not prepared. Mm-hmm. She is, like, overwhelmed at the job, and some of the, her staff has left 
in droves. You've got well over 12 or 13 senior staff members leaving her office. And, and then, then again, she's too tied to the Biden presidency. That's the problem with the Democrats in 2024. Mm-hmm. When they ran in 2020, it was them against the legacy and the, of Donald Trump. Donald Trump's, what do you call it, policies, reputations, and policies. When they run in 2024, if it's not Biden, they're still tied to the Democratic policies. So the Republican would be running against somebody's policies. And they're not doing too well right now. Okay, so I best so in a I guess positive and depending on how you look at it, the housing market, the prices are you think are inflated, or do you think it's just like a lack of supply of why the housing market is kind of just? It depends on what region you look at. I know in California the housing pl- uh, prices are extremely high because they have a, a severe shortage of housing. Okay. So they got high demand, short short supply drives everything up. Now, so every region's differently. I talked to a friend who's in real estate in Florida, and they said we get a lot of people coming in from the Northeast. So if you sell your house, let's say in New York, I'm just throwing a number for easy math, and uh-huh. it's, you sell it for five hundred thousand, but the average or median price of a house, let's say, is three hundred thousand. You can come down with cash. And I know a, f- a friend at work, he and his wife are trying to buy a house, and they've been outbid by people just throwing cash Yeah, because they can sell their house, buy something here. So, And that's fueling what the initial part of this podcast was, was inflation. That's what well, I was going to get there. Okay. So, and with, you know, with the housing, you know, going up, you know, there's also... Uh, a few things that are kind of like trailing in behind that, but yeah, you mentioned you mentioned inflation. When is it gonna maybe like even out? That all depends how the Fed does, because the Fed to stick to curb inflation, they have to raise interest rates. And mm-hmm. I listened to some economists, various economic experts today. One of them was I can't remember his name. I wish I would have remembered it was in the Wall Street Journals. I listened to Larry Summers, and I listened to others, and they said the way to stop inflation is you have to raise interest rates above inflation. Okay. So inflation's running around 8% right now through the latest mm-hmm. CPI, Consumer Price Index. So if inflation is 8%, that means interest rates have to be above that into the 9 to 10% range. Are you kidding me? Because if you remember back, or not, well, hold on. You're saying that if inflation is eight percent, that the mortgages or loans are going to be upwards up to ten percent. Now to stop inflation, uh, mortgages are a little bit going to be a little bit different than no, regular I think loans. They'll be, they'll be the same because if that's a lot. Okay, in the seventies, you every time they tried to raise interest rates, it sent us into recession, so they pulled back. Yeah. Paul Volcker, Volcker was selected as the Fred chair by late in the 1970s under, I think, 78, 79, mm-hmm. under Jimmy Carter. And what he did is he said, okay, we got to stop inflation. So he tightened the monetary supply, meaning tightened the belt, raised interest rates. I think interest rates went up into the 21% range. Okay. So that stamped out inflation because there's less money to buy anything. So you're just going to... 
It just killed inflation. Yeah, so they're looking at interest rates about like five percent, and they're looking at right now. It's I think it's like three percent without having to look back. So, but if interest, but if inflation's at eight percent, interest rates are three percent. You got to raise it very rapidly. But by doing that, that means it's cost more to borrow money. It's cost more credit cards are going to go up. Interest on the debt, national debt, goes up. All this has very negative connotations. So thanks to my wife, <clears throat> I guess in me just making stupid but good decisions, like I guess when it came to like the COVID, I kind of did the Mr. Magoo where I was actually just doing something and it just so happened to be the right choice or the right direction because like when we refied our house, we refied it at the lowest mortgage rate that they were offering at the time. And then... Um, what we did is we put got, we got some equity out of it, so we paid off all our credit cards. So then we came up with like zero credit card debt, and you know, Aaron's kind of doing her credit card thing a little bit differently. I'm not even touching mine. And then, you know, time came around where like my vehicle just kind of it was old, it died, not as old as yours. You can keep that thing going, but and I go and because of thanks to my credit score, I was able to get a zero percent. Uh, interest on a vehicle I bought. Yeah, see, because of your astute f- finances, you were able to do that. Yeah, I don't. Th- I had no plan, zero plan when it came to that. Okay, but you made the right decision. But inflation, when the consumer price index came out on Tuesday by the Bureau of Labor Statistics out of the Labor Department, mm-hmm. went up eight point five percent. The producer price is all the goods that go into making a product that went up 11.2 percent the problem is and i feel it because i'm at the the lower end because mm-hmm. i mean i have business creators struggling working at a restaurant and everything everybody i talk to gas prices are, are killing everybody yeah food prices are killing everybody everybody's rent is going up so everybody's having to recalibrate how they spend their money. But nothing's getting any better. So you're also coming into a little bit of a situation too because we're in a we're in a, mar- a job market where they're looking for people to work. But yet you kind of fall into this kind of category where you know the low-level jobs the only the only reason why you might get one of those is because they're just like they're they need people. Yeah, they need people, but also a lot of the time and you hear the same thing is like you're overqualified. It's all I get because who wants to hire someone in their late 50s who's got a master's degree, who's got experience, who's got education, who's got everything that they need but they don't want to hire you. Yeah. So you're falling into the lower wage and then they always say, you know, you're way overqualified. Even this latest, I got the, uh, a potential employment opportunity, and they said the same thing. How long are you going to stay with us? That's always, I get the same Until the wheels fall off. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, but you need work. You need a job. You yeah. need certain things. So, But maybe there was a good, there's a reason I'm, I was in these positions because I understand what people are going through because I'm going through it. Well, maybe if you get that six-figure job, which would be nice, but maybe it just ties you up where you can't do this, what or we're doing right now. maybe another way to look at it is I wouldn't understand what someone's going through. Because if you look at inflation and Joe Biden or, or President Biden keeps saying that it's because of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. But last spring... 
like March, April of last year, he kept saying inflation is transitory. It's because now part of the problem, he's right. Once um, they shut down the economy, then they reopened it. Demand shot up, but supply chain bottlenecks, supply chain disruption couldn't keep pace. So is this kind of relation to why inflation is so bad as well? Because there's jobs, but there's not people filling those jobs. So there just kind of leaves up. Well, the reason is that when companies are overinflating their wages yeah. just to retain people and to bring people on. But the point <sighs> President Biden made was, was correct in this. When we shut down the economy, then we reopened it. Every, demand shot up and supply couldn't keep pace. But during 2020, savings rates went up considerably because people had no place to go. Like, you guys like to travel to Universal Studios. Mm -hmm. Well, you didn't go to Universal Studios because you couldn't go. So everybody saved money. So when they opened the economy, everybody was ready to spend. That was the, the stimulus that was needed instead of coming from the government. So... One, they did an unnecessary stimulus with President Trump in December of 2020. But the biggest one that was put on steroids was the American Rescue Plan. And Larry Summers, the former Treasury Secretary for Bill Clinton and former senior economic advisor for Barack Obama in his first term, what he had stated was, you don't need to do that. Just spend money trying to get the vaccine out to everybody, solve the supply chain disruption. They didn't do that. They just spent about $2 trillion, gave people more money. So they put more money into the economy, but there was nothing for you to buy because they haven't fixed the supply chain disruptions. And then the biggest thing they did, which factors into both the CPI and the producer price index, even though the producer price index doesn't include energy and food, is energy costs. They got rid of the Keystone XL pipeline. They failed to, they stopped any leases or permitting on federal lands. They overregulated the energy sectors. They're trying to prevent the energy sector from getting um, capital they need to expand. So when you limit supply and the demand for that item goes up, high prices follow. But think about how many industries rely on energy. Mm-hmm. The store I work at, they pay $10,000 a month for energy costs. Yeah. And then every store, like I, there's a Target right across the street. They have a sign saying we have to limit our electrical output because of costs. Yeah, they're also, remember, they're also rationing out baby formula. Yeah. So then you've got farmers. Food costs have got, gone up. And this went up far faster the war put it like icing on the cake, mm-hmm. but all these things were happening way before Russia decided to invade Ukraine. But the Biden administration seems to have like this perfect storm of everything is happening of, of, of effing up. Oh yeah. So I mean, is there any of this kind of like fallback on a previous administration? And maybe I can maybe explain a minute. So, you know, under Trump, you know, everything was kind of bustling and everything was good and the economy was great and jobs this and low unemployment that. But they were saying, oh, it's because of the of what Obama did in the previous years that did that. Now, is there something where they can go back and say, well, the reason why the 
inflation is so high and gas is so high is because of the policies Trump put in place no, to where they are now. The only thing that Trump did was probably got it maybe moving a little bit. We don't know how it would play out because he he didn't win the election. Mm-hmm. Was the second stim- the, the the stimulus they did in um, December of 2020. But all this happened in his final year in office. So we don't know how those policies, if they didn't do the American Rescue Plan, and if President Trump was president, would we have some of the supply chain disruptions? Well, I think... We, we just don't know because hindsight's twenty. You can't speculate what somebody would do. But if I could, I would think this, you know, COVID is kind of just poof. I mean, I think there's a, maybe a... City reinstated some mass mandates. Why? I don't know. But it almost seems like it's gone. So I think where we are now was where we would have been in the beginning of 2021. Now, the only difference that I could suspect when it came to just the supply chain disruption is Trump understood the market. He understood currency devaluation, current monetary policy, fiscal policy, because he was a a billionaire, he owned a corporation, did things in many countries. Mm-hmm. So he understood all these things. So. Joe Biden has been a senator since 1973. I was a third grade. So he spent his whole career in government. Everything was paid for. He didn't have to worry about anything. Many of his administration, they got the same, they cut their teeth in either academia or government. They've never, I don't think there's anybody that ran a business. Janet Yellen is Treasury Secretary. She's never run a business. Many of his economic advisors have never run a business. Even his senior economic advisor was when they were talking about on Tuesday with the CPI jumping up 8.5%, he was talking about we just need more government spending. Well, maybe we can go into CPI a little bit. What is the CPI? Because it's, it's cons- like it's, kinda- it's, it's consumer price index okay. that discusses that that hits every price in America, every product, gas, food, everything. And they've seen everything has gone up considerably. Food costs, bacon, pork, meat, eggs, used car, new car, everything is touched has gone up. Mm-hmm. That factors in. The producer price index, like I said earlier, these are all the items and product that go into making something, yeah. like copper wiring. Steel, aluminum, all, but everything has gone up and they're going to continue to go up and food costs are going to continue to rise. So the point I'm making is Joe Biden and the Democrats, a lot of Democrats have spent their whole life in government. The last Democrat who ran for president, who ran a business was Jimmy Carter and he ran a, he was a farmer. Yeah, peanut farmer. But Joe Biden has never done any of that stuff. He talks like I'm one of you. Because he was born in Scranton until he was eight or nine, mm-hmm. but he spent his whole life in Delaware. His family was pretty affluent. Yeah. So, going back to my situation, I understand what people are going through mm-hmm. because I'm going through that. I'm living with a friend of mine, staying at his place just so I can save some money, get my own place. Yeah. I deal with when I'm applying for jobs. I got to look for jobs that are fairly close, so it's not going to cost me a lot of money in gas. Mm-hmm. When it comes to looking for an apartment, I have to look what the price is going. And I know South Tampa is expensive, but now I'm being forced to maybe go outside where I really want to live. But then you can't go too far because you got to commute in. 
So then when you go get food, I went shopping, let's say, Saturday, and I bought maybe nine, ten items, and it was like 60 bucks. Yeah. And before, that, six, those items would have cost me less. Mm-hmm. So that maybe gives me more insight to what the, the, the worker person is feeling where Joe Biden doesn't understand that because prior to him becoming president, he was a private citizen. He was a professor making a high six-figure salary. Yeah. Then he was vice president for eight years. And then 36 years as a U.S. senator where his transportation is paid for, his home is paid for, he gets a, he gets a stipend. He gets all this stuff. So I don't think he – and then his administration has never lived – the it's like when Pete Buttigieg, the Secretary of Transportation, said, well, if you want to not to pay a high gas price, just buy an electric car. Well, an electric car costs between the uh, an average $50,000. If you get a $7,000 rebate, you're around $43,000. Who can afford a $43,000 car? No. And then kind of like... So, but I mean, all these things... Are playing in, and I think and Republicans are just as guilty. There's like Paul Ryan, when he was Speaker of the House, he was um, a congressman for about twenty plus years. So he graduates college, law school, maybe tools around for a year, then he ran for Congress and won. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't understand what it's like. I would bet you many members of uh, Washington, they don't shop at Target, Walmart, Winn Dixie, or any discount or the dollars they don't shop at these places so what i was gonna say is like also from your perspective you have your shit together when it comes to you probably have a budget you probably have some kind of money and savings you probably have some kind of you know you take care of bills you say like the biggest thing that's affecting you is credit cards but you know, you seem to be very organized and probably disciplined in what you you don't well, eat that much. You you know you have a small budget when it comes to like food and stuff like that. Now that's you, okay. Now let's not now let's look into a family of say four. You know, on average, you know, and then you have two working people. They're probably barely getting by, especially if they're both living off fifteen dollars an hour. You know, not everybody is as like I fell into the post office. You know, I happen to be making, you know, a, a decent, a very decent living doing that. But it's only by, you know, it, it, it was never by design. Correct. And, you know, and it just, I, you know, my retirement kicks in or like my disability or whatever you want to call it. So that's kind of like a good cushion for me. But I don't have my crap together. You do well to a degree. I mean, I'm, but, 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 but what I'm saying is, you have a family that might not, and then there's that family's probably swimming in debt. You know, they probably are not being able to maybe properly afford the gas prices or keep the bills on. Well, yeah, because you know, if you're a family and you're struggling, it's not like I have my act together. I'm, I'm still paying this credit card debt off. I got to manage what I spend. I can't eat. I don't eat out. I really want. Okay. But you're, a, you're there by default, though. Yeah. But as a family, there's a lot of families. I don't want to get the impression that we're saying it's their fault. Mm. But if you're making a $15, $20 an hour, in a normal time, that would be good money. Yeah. But in this time, that doesn't get paid. It's, you're, it's very tight paying the bills. But now they say that a family is now paying up to 
$500 more a month. And 5000 something a year. Yeah. Now, the administration has to see this. What are they going to do about it? Well, but it? see, I don't think they see it. And the reason I don't think they see it, because they keep blaming Putin, because if you've never felt it, I felt it when I remember as a little kid in the early in the 70s. I don't really remember everything, but yeah. I remember it was tight. And we had to give money to our parents. Mm-hmm. So we worked yard jobs. I worked at McDonald's as many hours as I could as a kid yeah. when I was in high school. That money went into the family budget. Then when my older brother and me joined the military, we sent allotments home mm-hmm. to help help our parents out. Yeah. Because so, you're a great son. Okay, but then fast forward to today, we're right back to where we are, there we were back then. Mm-hmm. So a lot of these families are struggling because, think about it, three years ago or p- prior to 2021, inflation wasn't a problem. Mm-hmm. So fifteen twenty dollars an hour was good money for to, to 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 get by on. So who is going to tell the president? Or the that Biden administration that hey this is what's really going on oh you need to open your eyes but or is, is nobody he, going to do I that? don't think he has anybody because if you look at his staff around him they don't have the shared experience somebody's got to see this no, stuff but, going on but a lot of times if you get into that that level of the presidency sometimes you're in a bubble mm-hmm. when you go anywhere someone drives you you got Secret Service now when President Biden was a senator. If he went anywhere, someone drove him. Someone paid for his train. He didn't have to pay for anything. He well, had a I see, budget. I see that, but he's got someone's got to be up in his ear saying, "Hey, Mr. President, you know the economy is not doing that great. You know this is what's going on with the GDP. This is what's going on with inflation. This is what's going on with interest rates. This is what's so going remember, on." Remember, Joe Biden has campaigned as a moderate. But he's governing as a progressive. So the progressives have his ear and every progressive candidate or um, political leader like Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Mm -hmm. the squad, all of them have government experience. They've never dealt anything out in the private sector. Or if they were in the private sector, they were like working for a nonprofit about homeless issues or whatever. Mm -hmm. They weren't. Running a business, when you run a business and you've got to pay your salary, you've got to pay this, you've got to pay that. When you sign the front of the check instead of the back of the check, makes a world of difference. Like yeah. Ocasio-Cortez, she wants all these progressive policies, but the, the uh, restaurant or bar or sports bar she worked at went broke. Mm-hmm. They went out of business because of higher rent, higher wages. They couldn't keep up, so they ran out of business. Yeah. So a lot of members of Congress and even the administration, take Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary. She's got a Ph.D. I said this wasn't going to be transitory, but she said otherwise, and she was proven wrong. And they're still proven wrong. They think more government spending is going to solve the problem. Yeah. And that's just going to make it work. And if you... If you become a student of history, that's what happened in the 70s. Mm-hmm. And his tax and other policies are reminiscent of the mid-1930s, which gave us a second Great Depression only to have World War II pull us out. Yeah. So, John, why don't you go ahead and tell them how they can get a hold of us? Well, you can get a hold of us by going to UbaldiReports at gmail.com. 
Ubaldi reports at gmail.com or you can go to obviously on TikTok. You can go to uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Check us out there. Or if you go to YouTube, like or hit our subscribe button so we can get some um, traction on that. We would love to hear from you on this topic and other topics that we do every Wednesday at 7.30 in the evening, Eastern Standard Time. And we know there's a few of you out there, you listening, so please email John with some questions or some topics or something he can look into uh, so we can talk about it on the show. And we'd like to know what are you facing in your region, state, city, or county. So until next time, keep listening to you all. Thank you.